Um, your host today, me, David Clover, I'm the IT manager, maths and computing faculty. Been here since 1996, for heaven's sake, much longer than I thought. Joined the university in 1979, so um, I've seen it all, really. Maya Dunn, my colleague, you met her outside, she was organising the computers. Uh, she and I have put today together. From Infosys, we welcome Ian Stewart and Zoe Porter, who've been uh, indefatigable in um, putting this as an event together. I'm very impressed with all the work they've done, and I thank them very much indeed. Adrian Hollister, Lalit, and Simon Bradford are the next from IBM. Um, it was actually Adrian's idea. He's not in the room at the moment, um, so that's why we're here. And uh, Adrian and IBM um, were very helpful in helping us with the uh, presenters. You're going to see some very good presenters from IBM today. And last but not least, I thank uh, Keith Hamilton and his team because we're going to be webcast today. And uh, so thank you for, for doing that. So now we introduce Mr. Ian Stewart from Infosys, who's helped me put today together. And here we go. A big hand for Mr. Ian Stewart. The first time I've ever had one of those. <laughs> right, OK. Well, uh, we just need to press B, Steve. Okay. Okay, well, um, I think the, the date's correct, so we're all here on the right date and uh, uh, all present and correct. Um, David's done uh, most of the introductions. Uh, I'm just looking around the room for uh, some, um, some other people to introduce you to. Um, a couple of... Uh, highlights that I just wanted to draw um, your attention to is colleagues that I can see and recognise from um, IBM and Infosys that may be useful to you today from a technology standpoint. So if you've got questions um, in relation to your own projects, your own environments that you'd like help with in terms of technology, then um, we've got people here uh, that will be able to do that for you. So, uh, Marcus, I'll um, sort of uh, go for you because you're in my line of uh, sight. Marcus is our technical director, and uh, Marcus will be presenting, but he, he's around today. Um, J John Wiley uh, from IBM, who is uh, uh, sitting there next to, uh, to Marcus to his right. Um, and um, Darren Adams. Um, uh, just to my left here. He's, he's uh, someone else from IBM that works very closely with us. And Steve Buckingham, who uh, works with me at Infosys um, as one of our sales consultants. All of these people are presenting to you. All will be available today to answer questions on the projects and technology that you might have. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll uh, allow you to see the agenda in their specialist areas uh, from that. But um, feel free to ask any of us um, things that may be of interest to you. The background of today's event um, is that we wanted to do something specific for, um, really for the education and public sector. And um, in, work, in our time working with the um, Open University and with, with um, other um, organisations that we'd, we would pigeonhole in a similar category, we, we found some um, areas of, uh, uh, that we thought, thought were of mutual interest and that could provide a networking forum for companies to come together, not only to, to learn about specific technology or specific projects, but also um, in the forum that was uh, in your forum and in a forum that um, made sense and a language that you spoke. So uh, we've put this together to very much to do with sharing experiences. 
Um, we're very glad that it's uh, a relatively small uh, number of participation uh, participants because uh, we wanted really to make this quite an intimate event. And um, we do want this to be very much a, a, a two-way um, experience with you being able to gain access easily to the right people in a fairly compact type environment. Um, we've jointly uh, uh, staffed this, uh, both uh, people from Infosys, I'll give you a quick, quick intro to what we do, from IBM, the, um, the, the technology vendor, um, from OU and then um, some some people from the institutions themselves, from some of the um, some of the, the universities um, themselves. So we've tried to sort of blend these different um, disciplines together to give you a real mixture of uh, experiences and, uh, and and feedback. On feedback, we would like your feedback. In your packs, you have a feedback form that um, Zoe won't allow you to leave. She's got more exits to keep an eye on in this building than we normally have, but she's pretty good at it, and she'll pop up and grab you uh, if you try and make an exit without doing it. So uh, we would ask that you fill our form in. Um, we run similar events to this um, relatively regularly, so we're keen to try and learn from each one, uh, even if you know each, each learning is, is a, a relatively subtle um, experience we still would like to, to do that so please give us your feedback and we'll uh, try and make the next one um, even more valuable to you some of the key themes we're working with are um, we, we've picked lotus technology as a as our spearhead now if you don't use lotus technology within your environments that isn't a problem and there's still lots here that should be relevant to you but we've we've picked on lotus technology as a particular spearhead as our key um, starting point and looking at um, Lotus Domino and Notes technology um, trying to really take that well beyond messaging uh, we've never thought of it as, a, as simply a messaging and, and calendar platform um, and today we won't really be talking um, too much about that we'll be talking about it a bit but the, we'll be taking it much further um, looking at uh, using that platform for applications using it as a, as a method for managing information for a much broader collaboration platform than simply just um, email and, um, and calendar. Um, also, anybody that is familiar with the Lotus Domino Notes technology and is keeping on it will be familiar with maybe some of the terms like Workplace and Hanover, which is some of the names being given to the new generation of technology that's coming on um, beyond Lotus Notes and Domino. And there's some exciting releases um, around those products in the, in the, in the workplace um, arena and uh, Hanover, which will fundamentally be the next major release of Domino and uh, the next major release of Lotus Notes um, coming out next year. So uh, I think um, people like Darren in particular will be uh, talking to you more about that and that's one of his key subjects. Emphasis specialises, um, as well as collaboration in uh, document management, uh, web content management, and um, essentially managing information in a whole wide range of different formats. So we, we deal with um, electronic forms, um, we deal with documents, as in the traditional sense, uh, Microsoft Office type documents, records, and our definition of records is something that needs to be guaranteed in terms of integrity. Um, and, of course, email itself, which is becoming um, a big issue for people, being able to manage that better 
um, uh, there are now regulatory requirements, there are um, efficiency requirements around the amount of space data uh, from email is creating. So we'll be looking at some of the ways in which we can manage that more efficiently later. And VLEs, um, virtual learning environments, how important that is to your sector. Um, it's been um, uh, sort of very interesting for us to, to be involved in that with you. And I know there's, there's some, um, some presentations going on later to, to talk to you about that and about the experiences here at the university um, that, that have come from those. Um, we've got some te technical subjects. We've got developers here, um, David and his team, um, as well as uh, Marcus, will be available to talk to you very much about um, how the, 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 some of these wonderful products will be can be used in real life and how that can be blended with technology skills. So um, uh, emphasis in particular in doing some work with um, the Open University around developing web applications and will be um, taking you through some of the intricacies of the, the technology behind that. Um, brief introduction to us. Uh, we're a, an IBM business partner. We specialise in, in IBM software. We've been trading for 14 years and we're based in Swindon. Uh, we, really, we do application development um, based on IBM software. Um, we specialise in management, um, uh, data and content management solutions. Um, and we provide a whole range of services in consultancy, um, in um, implementation, in development services and training. And in this sector in particular, one of the things that I think we've, we've worked effectively in is in very much in collaboration with you and uh, working with our own resources blended with uh, resources from um, the, the universities to actually combine a team that, that, that blends our experiences with uh, your knowledge of, of, of your organisations. We have a, um, a, an environment which we call a business partner solution centre um, where you can come along and actually try some of the technology out in our environment in Swindon. This means that you can come in, um, bring in your own uh, software, your own applications, try that out in an environment which doesn't interfere with your own. Um, and so anything that you saw here, you could, you could uh, come along and get maybe a bit more of an in-depth look at in Swindon. We could provide you with, with without cost, um, some technical assistance to enable you to evaluate and review that um, and be able to do that in an off-site type environment with proper um, support. So uh, we have that facility in Swindon, Business Partner Solutions Centre, and we represent the South for IBM in offering that. That, serve, that service. Uh, really just starting to wrap up now for me. Um, recently we've been um, developing domino-based web applications with, um, with David and his team here at the Open University. We've um, also been providing some experience around the Ajax technology which we're presenting on later. Um, and this is uh, this this will be, I think, an eye opener to anybody that's thought of Domino and Notes, um, really as a as a, an email platform, um, because you you should be able to see some of the things that are possible in application development using the very latest technology, AJAX and web services to develop web type applications, but combining that with the collabor collaboration and the uh, the other capabilities of the Domino server. So we've been providing um, OU with some experiences around how to do that 
so that they then can go on and actually develop the applications themselves. And we're, we're uh, also working with, the, the, um, with David's faculty to actually deliver a, a, a portal. Um, and that's an exciting project for us because that's one of our, our, key, uh, our key areas at the moment. So that's that. Uh, just to finish off, we are going to just um, make sure you give us those feedback forms. And if portal was of particular interest, um, if we could um, just highlight a, a future event that um, we'll be running at IBM in Staines on the 24th of November, there's um, information again, I think, in, in the packs that we've provided you. So um, I'll just highlight that too. That, that will be, there's an agenda which is very focused on WebSphere portal technology. If that was an area of interest to you, then um, uh, please have a look at that agenda and see if you'd like to register for that. Okay. So um, now what I'm going to do is um, hand over to, um, it's uh, Darren and Marcus, actually, uh, to actually get into some uh, meat of what, uh, what we've been talking about so far. Okay. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, so my name is Darren Adams. I'm the Notes and Domino sales leader um, for the region which we call UKISA, which is UK, Ireland and South Africa. Um, I've, I've been with Lotus for 15 years now. Um, so I started back in the days when we were selling 123. In fact, I think 123 version 2.4 was the biggest selling product at the time. Um, and some of the things I'm going to talk about this morning are really the reason why I've stayed in the Lotus brand. Um, of course, during my time there, uh, Lotus moved from being a separate organisation to being part of the IBM software group. And I've had various opportunities to move on and do different things, but I've stayed with the Lotus brand basically because of the technology and uh, the excitement that it, it, it generates and, and, the, and the value that our customers get from it. And from talking to them, I know they get a tremendous amount of value from the innovation we, uh, we strive to deliver. Um, so what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to take you through uh, various things. I'm actually, it might appear as if I'm rushing through it at quite a pace. There's a hell of a lot we're actually working on at the moment to tell you, and I've... Uh, Got around about 50 minutes to do that. Um, so there's a lot of stuff here. And in fact, actually, I culled out half the slides to even try to fit it into the, the time allowed. So uh, I hope I'm not selling you short. I'm still trying to cram a lot of stuff into it. Uh, Marcus is also going to come up at some point just to talk about the portal, um, the WebSphere portal server and how that relates to the domino infrastructure. Um, so one of our... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm just getting over a cold as well and have a, always have a cough that follows it on. Um, one of the, the key things about our, our strategy is around innovation and around collaboration and how that affects people, how it delivers value to people, how they interact. And it's been very much a key point about our, our strategy over the last few years, uh, very much people-driven. Um, how people collaborate, how they connect to each other, um, how they connect to information, and also how people can connect to people in the context of what they're doing. Now, what, when we, we talk about contextual collaboration, this there's several ways to describe that, but one of the ways you could describe that is if you could look at a document, read the content, perhaps not be sure of the, of the contents of that document, but there you see the document author's name, and it's made live uh, by a presence awareness and instant messaging. I'd be able to connect to that person immediately and ask them a question about that piece of content or, or about that piece of information, allow them to put that into context and actually turn it into knowledge. And that's really what contextual collaboration is about, being able to do that in the context of what you're doing, which is reading the document, not to move off somewhere else and find them in a buddy list somewhere, but to do it there and then. And that's just one of the examples of contextual collaboration. <clears throat> so this allows people to connect, 
to gain the expertise that's inside the organisation, also to make business decisions more quickly and also more accurately because they have the right information. Uh, that should, hang on a second, what's happening there? That slide should build up. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it did on my PC, anyway. Um, so let me just describe what this, this slide should be, should be showing you. Um, it really should be showing you the, uh, the, the evolution of people productivity. Going back to the, uh, to the 80s when I, actually I started Lotus in 1991, but if you look back to uh, you know, when I had my first PC, mid-80s, mid we were using tools such as 123, Symfony, uh, you know, standalone uh, presentation editors and document editors such as DisplayWrite and WordPerfect. And it was really about personal productivity. Uh, and it wasn't really until tools like Lotus Notes took off in the mid-90s that we really saw a, an explosion in team productivity and allowing teams of people to come together, work on processes, work on ideas, share expertise and so on. <clears throat> but of course the world evolves and we've now uh, evolved our strategies taking what we call the dynamic workplace. And the dynamic workplace really, at its heart, is about delivering the right content, the right applications to the right people, so that when they have that dynamic workplace, it fits their role, it fits what they do, it fits the knowledge that they need to, to take in, it fits the people they need to connect to. Now, there's a number of things that have gone in the, on in the industry that make that possible and are very important to that strategy. So, clearly, one of those things is standards, open standards. And again, if you look inside some of the solutions that we deliver today, things like... Uh, uh, business execution scorecards, for example, um, which is not, I don't, I don't believe is a product we're going to talk about today, but if you, that's a very good example of how we use open standards. So if you look, for example, at a business objective like grow market share, which is then made up of several other objectives, uh, that might be measuring metrics from all over your organisation and will undoubtedly take in data and information from lots of different places. So perhaps, you know, Siebel system, SAP, Lotus Notes applications, web applications, and so on. But it's open standards that makes it possible to drag that information into one interface and to view it as if it were one joined-up process or set of processes. And that's really what's also at the heart of what we call the services-orientated architecture. Um, some other things you'll see, uh, terms like mashups. Uh, and mashups are, uh, actually have several meanings. There's one in the music industry, which means to remix stuff and nick something uh, of someone else's track and... Uh, add it into your own. Um, but in mashups, uh, in terms of computing, really means taking two apparently different types of technology and blending them together to, to provide a value-added application. And I'll actually show you later on an example of where we use a mashup with part of our technology and a, a technology that's out there on the web today to offer some value uh, on top of what we actually deliver out of the box. Um, and lastly there, just to pick up a couple of those ones, um, explosions of devices and interconnectivity. Um, and again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this when we come to talk about uh, real-time collaboration. But uh, certainly in terms of devices, um, you know, we, we, how many people here have a BlackBerry? That's very unusual, actually. Uh, an audience of any size, you would normally see somewhere near a quarter to half, perhaps even three quarters, depending on the audience, have a BlackBerry or, or a device like it. Um, and so we're starting to see our customers relying more on that type of technology to improve their, uh, their availability. You know, again, if you look back 15 years, I didn't even have a mobile phone 15 years, 15 years ago. Now I don't think anyone could live without one. You know, they always expect to be available via a mobile phone. Um, and again, if you, you then look at other uh, aspects of the, of the computing world, again, how many people here had an email, internet email address 15 years ago? Okay. 
Now, how many people have got at least two today? There you go. And so there's an, always an expectation that, you know, it, I would find it very, very, yeah, I know. I can, how many? You're counting there. How many have you got? That's pretty good going, yeah. <laughs> That's where the universal inbox comes in. Um, so, uh, you know, in business today, we pretty much expect someone to be able to give us their internet email address and to connect to them. Um, and more and more we're expecting now to connect with them in other ways, other uh, faster and more available ways than email, because email, of course, is very asynchronous in what it does. So um, the, the, um, the dynamic to the workplace um, is very much around being role-based, being in the right context for the people, uh, being what we call a composite application or a deliverer of composite applications. Now, a composite application basically um, is an application which might consist of various components or technologies from around your enterprise. Um, so not necessarily from the same sources in terms of data, in terms of coding, um, basically different things. Now, again, if we look inside IBM, for example, um, there's not one application that t tells me about myself as an employee in terms of my personal details, um, how I'm paid, commission, all those other things. There's not one application, but we can use composite applications to drag all these details together from different sources and actually display one record, uh, what appears to be one record for one, for one particular user. And again, you could take that into a customer service uh, environment whereby you could click on a customer name and see all the things that pertain to that customer, such as the orders they've made, their order history, uh, their delivery details, and so on. And of course, over on the right-hand side there, um, it's not just about delivering those things to a PC on a desktop. Uh, again, more and more of these days, in, uh, enterprises are expecting to have that type of technology delivered to a number of devices in a number of ways. So, for example, mobile, uh, you know, mobile devices, even IP uh, video clients. Um, obviously being able to take that on a laptop as well as sitting on a, um, a desktop client. And one of the other important aspects about this is that, again, there's an expectation from organizations that they might want some very rich capabilities. Now, if we travel back a few years, one of the themes we used to hear from customers was, um, you know, we don't want to deploy these rich clients because they, you know, they take a lot to manage. Um, you know, we have to go around and visit the desktops to manage these things. Much easier if you could do all, everything through a web browser. However, as well as delivering all this stuff through a web browser and having this amount of simplicity, we also want this range of features. Now, you can't always deliver that range of features in a web browser. So, you know, it's, it's very difficult to deliver both of these things. Um, so what we actually do is we, we do deliver both. Um, we allow uh, WebSphere Portal Server, the portal environment, to deliver those type of composite applications, role-based uh, access to applications. But more and more now, we're also relying on richer clients to deliver that same type of interface. So what you'll be seeing at the back end emerging is the same type of technology driving those two types of clients. So it's not two infrastructures to drive those. It's one consolidated infrastructure to deliver that functionality, depending on whether you need, well, the fairly rich functionality that you get through the browser with Portal or the very rich functionality that you would get in one of our new uh, clients. Uh, again, we'll come on to talk about this type of technology when we talk about Lotus Notes, the next generation of Lotus Notes. Um, what you're seeing over here on the, on the right-hand side is a, a screenshot of the, uh, the product, which is codenamed Hanover, which is actually the next version of Lotus Notes. 
Um, if you're not aware, at the moment we're on Lotus Notes version 7. This is the next version. We haven't announced the version number yet, but you could probably take a fairly good guess at what it might be. So, um, the dynamic workplace, that's basically our front end to what we call the services-orientated architecture. Um, so, delivering composite applications, really putting those things into context, using those open standards to deliver and integ integrate these things at the front end uh, through technologies like click to action uh, I'm now going to just hand over to Marcus very quickly, who's going to talk us through uh, the role of Portal and, and uh, in particular how it relates to the Domino infrastructure. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Darren. Yeah, what I was intending to do is just to ensure that we're all uh, talking from the same sort of area so that we all understand the difference between Domino notes and portals because we're talking about in the future uh, merging of these technologies. So we just thought we'd take a, a few moments to change the speaker, just step back a bit, just to give you an overview of portal. So um, we found a, a definition for you, and you probably gathered from the previous slides that this definition is true. A single access point to web content and applications personalised to each user's needs. Okay, and the rest of it you can obviously read for yourself. Basically, what we are talking about is trying to pull together all the requirements of an individual who interacts with a computer in such a way that they don't have to go off and find the application, log into the application, see the data, maybe cut and paste it, put it into a spreadsheet, go to another application, you know, go through a series of another login processes, maybe another set of data, cut and paste that, stick it into other cells of a spreadsheet, do some calculations, and then email the result off to a third person. Now, that is a sort of typical process. You, you know, the, it requires the user to understand their environment, what applications, uh, different keystrokes, possibly different systems, different ways of integrating the things, maybe using extra tool sets. And, uh, and, and then email, of course. Now, you know, whilst experienced users can do that, they normally need a PC to do it, and it causes a great deal of confusion when a new application is required. You might need a new terminal emulator, different communications. And then how do you get that information across to another individual without maybe just sending it to them on an email? You know, can it automatically pop up in their, on their workspace, for example, or, or their handheld PDA, etc.? Well, you can see the sorts of issues that Portal are trying to, is trying to, to, uh, to overcome. It pulling together these things so that the Portal becomes the place. But instead of you going having to find different applications that are related to your role and being trained in those applications, they are delivered to you on a personalized basis. So as you, say, move organization or move job role, as you log into the system, the system understands the other type of information that is important to you for that particular role. So if you, uh, if you become a, a manager, say, in a um, manufacturing um, fact, well, in a factory or something, and you are therefore very, um, your, your, your remuneration is based upon performance factors that need to be tracked, and you're fairly new to the job, well, if the, if the business has already determined all those factors, it seems very long-winded to get the managers, have to redefine them, find reports in the format that they want, and present them to him, in, him or her in a particular way. Well, wouldn't it be much better if you could just 
uh, one day get promoted, the next day when you log into the system, it shows you all the things that you're supposed to be tracking because the previous manager had already set them up or the business has already defined the sorts of things that you've got to monitor and encourage. Well, that's really what we mean by pulling together different applications in a format that is personalized for the user. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that the, just the personalization only happens from the company perspective. It might happen from the user perspective. Maybe they need to do certain things that just they need to do, and that needs to follow them around, irrespective of what role they have in the company, just because they're interested in that, or that they are keeping track on something, or it's a social area of the environment that they are, they are a chairman of, or something like that. Well, those things need to go around with them. So again, we're talking about personalization, both from a, from a managerial perspective, that the company organization might put upon the individual, but also from a personal perspective. And that's really what Portal is trying to do for us across multiple platforms. The, the whole idea is to try to bring people together, which first of all, to present the information that they need, but also to try to bring together the people that are required to fulfill a, fulfill a particular task. Now, Darren was also talking about, wouldn't it be great if you were looking at a piece of content and you didn't quite understand or you totally disagreed with a particular paragraph that was yet to be published? Uh, how useful could it be to not only just find the author's name, but also know whether or not they are sitting at their desk uh, so that you can have an instant message with them and challenge them or maybe arrange a meeting? Now, if you didn't have that, you just have the name, you'd have to go to a directory, look up the directory, find the telephone number, then give them a, give them a call, um, then possibly arrange for an intermediary for a meeting. Well, you, it can still be done. But the idea of Portal is to bring these, these technologies together. So that, for example, collaboration and contextual um, awareness is brought into any application, even if the application data sources have got nothing to do with Portal. You see, by, by surfacing those things into a portal, you can start leveraging the other facilities of portal to add value to the existing data that you might have already locked away, already sitting in other systems. So this, these are the sort of noble aims of portal. But um, what happens if you run a Lotus Notes stroke domino environment? How does portal integrate with this? Because when you're in a notes domino environment, you've sort of got a proprietary relationship between the notes client and the domino server. And um, we just put, just put a few slides together just to show you the integration points between portal and domino. Because you might think, well, you know, notes and domino give such a rich collaboration environment anyway. Why do we need to stray out of that environment? Well, typically it's because the data could be in different, excuse me, <coughs> different data sources. And you need to get the data sources to talk to one another. Well, you can go through the process of migrating the data itself through to the common platform, you know, extracting the data from a mainframe, sticking it into a notes database, and then using programs to interact with them. Now, that's that's, a possible, that's a, the one approach. But then you are still tied in with the, some of the limitations of the Domino's infrastructure and its delivery mechanisms and its personalization which normally would have to be coded into every application rather than using like a global rules widget that can apply to every portal application. So um, portal offers to Domino some extra features uh, 
a scalable, robust framework. You might say, well, Domino gives, gives me that. But when we're talking about possibly hundreds of thousands of concurrent users, then the portal framework, because it's built on J2EE standards, has already proved in the industry to easily both scale horizontally and vertically to cater for very, very high demands. It uh, follows industry standards, open standards, and that's an also a, a very key feature of IBM Portal. If you look at Domino, the notes environment, it's a great, great environment, but of course it, and it adopts open standards where it can, but it sometimes is a, a version behind the one that everybody else is using. Whereas Portal is keeping tab with all the very latest standards. And we have some uh, slides, if you come to our Portal session, as to how, um, what technologies Portal has embraced with regard to its infrastructure. The um, important <clears throat> aspect of uh, managing very large installations is uh, managing people via roles rather than just via groups. Um, you can obviously put people into groups. That's managed typically in a directory server. But what we're talking about with roles is specific um, security actions that can be done within the applications themselves being allocated to either groups or, um, or, or individual people. But it's the role-based uh, uh, management capabilities of Portal that enhances the flexibility of the overall management system. And of course, Portal supports multiple languages and all those strange characters and double bind characters that are required for you know, Chinese, Thai, Taiwanese um, uh, characters. The rules engine for uh, Portal is um, like this widget that can then apply the same rules over a vast number of portlets. And there's a great amount of work and facilities in the latest version for us. So if you have Domino and you want to integrate with Portal, which, which are the ways in which you can do it? Well, we've outlined four for you. The first one is uh, simply linking to an existing Domino site. So this is not, it's not it's sort of a, just a link integration. That means where you take a URL that is actually a Domino server and you stick it somewhere in the portal. Now, that's the sort of most crude web-style um, URL links. Second one, though, is a little bit more uh, interesting, is to take existing Domino applications that have already been web-enabled, but instead of using um, the web server built into Domino to surface those, we, we do so via what we call a portlet, which is like a, a small part of an HTML screen. Some, you could think of it as almost like a, a mini window into the application. Well, we can surface the web um, the, the Domino web-enabled application into uh, a portlet that then gives you a window into the, into the original application. So that's the second, second one. Um, for your uh, reference, the pluses are positives and the, mi the minuses are negatives, the, the advantages and disadvantages of those approaches. <clears throat> the third one um, is to use some of the tooling that actually comes with Domino itself. Domino has a set of um, Java classes that can be used from a Java application. It has um, a tag library, which you can use in Java server pages. And using those facilities gives you a fairly easy entry to allow Domino applications and data to be made available into, into a portlet environment. The very last one um, is migrating entirely over to a J2E application. But of course, this is uh, where you 
take, this is where you can take advantage more, most of all the other features of Portal, but requires the most work. So it, to help us with that process, because that's quite a, a, a lot of effort, there's a, a set of tools called the Portlet Factory that allows us to build these applications very much more rapidly than is the traditional way of building portlets or Java applications. And that will be our final way of, of taking the NSF stored data in Domino and making it available to the portal. So um, which, which one of the four methods, which method do you use uh, if you've already got a large number of Domino Notes applications? Well, of course, it depend, depends very much on, on the application itself, what you're trying to achieve. You might find that you have quite a large number of Notes Domino applications that are, could be moved very, very simply because there's not too much application logic in them. Maybe they're just simple form view type applications. Well, they're great candidates for taking advantage of the other uh, facilities of Portal. Um, the requirements for your Domino, for your Portal infrastructure, will depend on your user community as well and then how you integrate them. So that's a factor of hardware and licensing costs, potentially. And, whether, and how you want to scale the information. Do you want Domino data to be pulled um, directly from the Domino servers? Do you want to push it into other databases, have those databases as live databases, if you, if you're, uh, which is, which is um, separated from the, from the authoring environment, the, the processing environment? just on a, a simple replication. So you have servers dedicated to, to data gathering, other servers dedicated to <coughs> data provision. And, uh, of course, skills. Um, a lot of notes developers and uh, application and Lotus Script and app function uh, developers might find it um, a bit more alien, a Java environment, even though, however, Lotus have provided Java tools within the notes environment. But uh, that, that might... Um, to have a factor in how quickly you, you migrate. And, of course, timescales, how quickly are you hoping to roll uh, any platform out? Uh, this is mentioned by Ian this morning, another portal event. If you are interested specifically in understanding this, this thing, portal, a little bit more, we have a, another event down in London, uh, IBM Staines, um, just outside London, I suppose, uh, on the 24th of November uh, in the morning. And if you visit the website there, you can, you're, you're um, welcome to come and join us. And that's just a portal-only day for you to understand that sort of uh, technology in its entirety. I now hand back to Darren, who will tell you some more exciting things with regard to the future of Notes and Domino. Thanks, Darren. Thank you, Marcus. And, of course, if you come to Staines in the afternoon, you can go on an Ali G nostalgia tour. Okay, uh, let's uh, very quickly run through uh, a number of other points. Just uh, an update on Notes and Domino 7. Uh, we released this uh, around about a year ago now and, and really had some uh, goals around reducing the cost of ownership, which we've been steadily doing in previous versions. So things like the server scalability, um, some of the new embedded monitoring analysis tools and extended control, uh, which reduces the cost of support and administration, basically uh, contributed to driving down the, the cost of ownership. And I'll show you some figures on that in a second. Uh, in the client, we were basically um, focused on improving the user productivity, which we did in version 6 and carried that forward through version 5 and now into version 7. So lots of new productivity features and innovations. We improved the integration with the real-time collaboration with the same time and also made improvements to our web um, client, which is Domino Web Access. One of the other themes was about building a broader scope of applications. And Marcus talked about how you know, Domino really has evolved in terms of open standards. And, and some of the ways we did this was... Uh, 
for example, exposing sort of Domino's capabilities, its data, its services as web services. So now you can expose things that Domino does as a web service to allow other web applications and other applications to take advantage of that. Uh, one of the other key things we did was allowed uh, DB2 to be used as a data store. So that's not a replacement for the standard NSF format. That's basically an option that you can take if certain applications might merit storing the data on DB2, getting some extra scalability, having some, some of the extra features you can use, for example, like using SQL select statements uh, to pull the data, then you can get some extra value from that. Uh, I mentioned cost of ownership, and uh, these are some of the figures that actually came from Ferris Research, and you can see that if you move from release 5 to release 6, they, they said on average uh, a cost of ownership reduction of around 15%. Um, from 6 to 7, uh, 9%. Uh, now, obviously, cost of ownership is very personal to each organisation, so these are purely averages. Some will realise more cost of ownership reduction, some perhaps slightly less. But, uh, you know, we're talking to a lot of organisations now who are still on notes in Domino 5, moving to 7, so they will see quite a significant uh, reduction in their cost of ownership of around about 22% on average. Uh, and one of those uh, cost of ownership uh, reductions comes from the scalability that we've put into the, uh, the product. Um, this graph here represents the scalability in red of notes, uh, sorry, Domino release 6.5, and then the green shows 7. So you can see for uh, platforms such as Windows and P-Series, basically what that says is that on the same hardware, you can fit 50% more users. Um, in terms of things like Solaris and iSeries, 80% more users on the same hardware. Now, Linux has jumped up up to 400% more scalability. Um, to be fair, with Linux, we come from a position of relative immaturity when you compare it to some of the other platforms. Um, so what does this say? Well, basically, uh, two things. First of all, it gives organizations the opportunity to consolidate their servers, to, you know, to, to boil down a number of servers into less servers, and therefore reduce the cost and make them more manageable. At the very least, it, it pr uh, increases the longevity of your hardware. I think a lot of customers have the expectation that when they upgrade Domino, they will upgrade their hardware. Here, almost the reverse is true. It's almost like getting a, ha a hardware upgrade for free. Uh, and this represents our upgrade cycle. Now, I, I would never try to trivialize an upgrade because clearly, you know, we, we speak to customers who've got hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of users. An upgrade is not trivial. Um, but just the, uh, the idea I want to put forward is that we make it as simple as possible and straightforward as possible, especially when you compare it to, to some of our competitors, for example, who put in their migrations. Uh, I know of one competitor, for example, the next version of their product, they say it's an upgrade, but they actually have to move all the mailboxes from one server to another in actually to order to, to do the upgrade. Now, we don't need to do that. Um, and you can see our, our strategy here around making sure that our customers can jump versions if they need to. As I say, we have a number of customers who are on release 5. They're going to bypass 6. They're going to go straight to 7. I know that we've got a number of customers who are today on 6. They're going to bypass 7. They're going to go straight to uh, what we call Domino Next, which is the rather imaginative code name for the next version of Domino. Um, in fact, actually, in Northern Ireland, we had actually had one customer who jumped straight from Domino 4.6 straight up to 7. Okay? And during that, you, of course, can um, continue to interoperate different versions. Uh, and in fact, in IBM at the moment, we're in a, we're in a, a state where we, we've actually upgraded most of the clients now to 7, most of the servers to 7, but you'll still see people, some 6 clients around, some, there are some 6 servers. We interoperate very happily with that. Um, and even, you know, if those customers who are moving from 5 to 7 will be able to interoperate those servers and clients just by following the basic ground rules. 
Uh, I mentioned about the client and the, the, product, uh, the focus on productivity and also manageability of the client as well. So many of the things we put into the client are really focused on saving the user's time on those things they do every day. So, you know, processing large amounts of emails. Um, things like autosave, the ability to autosave what you're working on every X number of minutes. So that if you get any problems, you can retrieve that information back again when you restart the client. The improvements in the pre uh, presence awareness. Things like message threads that allow you to traverse through a whole history of messages rather than dealing with the messages in isolation as you move down through your inbox. Manageability um, came, uh, really we made some uh, huge improvements with that with version 6 when we introduced what we call policy-based administration, which was the ability to um, take certain configuration information, push it down from the server to the client. Uh, and now with, with version 7 you can manage just about everything that goes on at the client from the server, <coughs> including upgrades. So your IT people actually don't need to go around to desktops now to do upgrades to the client. They can do it all remotely from the server and manage that from there. Uh, one of the other things we do in version 7 is client lockdown. So you can lock down all the preferences, the settings in the client. So for want of a better word, people can't fiddle around with it and create support issues. So again, that's one of the ways we've lowered the cost of ownership through lowering the cost of support. And just a very quick, I mean, this is a screenshot of, uh, of version 7. So there we have things like online awareness. So you know, it's pervasive throughout the client in things like the inbox, inside email uh, messages, inside calendar appointments, many various places. And, of course, built into custom applications, you can put that type of online awareness so that the person you're dealing with is always there. You can just right-hand mouse click them, talk to them, see their status and so on. Um, other things we've added in, things like recipient marking. Um, and that's a way of focusing on email. If I see a solid blue blob, I know that I was the only recipient to that email, and therefore it's something I should focus on more than something with the half circle, which means that I was one of a number of people it was sent to. Also, there's a hollow circle, uh, which means that I, I was one of the people who was copied on it. So I, I can very quickly see which ones are just for me and which I should focus on rather than were sent to a number of people. Now, if anyone's interested in Linux, um, we've gradually increased the number of things that we've delivered on Linux. So Domino Server on Linux, we delivered with version 5. Uh, just this summer, uh, we delivered the Notes client on Linux. That's a pure Linux client, which is now available. We've got the same time 7.5 client on Linux. We can run Domino with access on Linux. Um, we can run our workplace managed client with the integrated productivity editors, the spreadsheet, the word processor, the presentation editor, also on Linux. Um, Coming next year, we've got the same time server on Linux, and then also Hanover, which is the next generation of Lotus Notes, uh, which I'll talk about briefly later on. That, again, will also be on Linux. It'll have integrated same time 7.5, and again, those productivity editors. So, you know, for anybody thinking of a Linux strategy, the story is very good. We're gradually increasing these and breaking down the barriers to actually deploying a Linux desktop. And very quickly, some of the things we've delivered in, in 702, I'll just pick out a couple of these for time reasons. Um, one is that we, we're supporting 32-bit operations, uh, sorry, 32-bit operating systems um, such as Linux uh, and Windows. Um, the Domino code itself is still 32-bit, but with, with Domino Next, we'll be making 64-bit available to basically give you a choice of when you move up to 64-bit. Um, a couple of other things we've done: uh, Nomad, which is which is the code name for uh, installing a Notes client on a USB drive, so you can carry it around with you, plug it into any PC, run it from that. You know, do everything you normally do with your notes client, pull it out, leave no trace on the PC. So you know, it's, a, it's a very good roaming option um, if your organization suits that. I know not all organizations allow USB drives to, to uh, you know, put, put into PCs. Um, we've also improved the way that we can feed out RSS 
uh, news feeds from Domino-based applications. So we've, we've added a, a capability to do that, which doesn't involve modifying the application in any way. It's just basically setting up some con configuration about how that <coughs> RSS information is pushed out. Okay, let's talk about same time 7.5. So same time is uh, our real-time collaboration solution, which has uh, been in the market now for, I think, going on for nine years. Um, uh, version 7.5, um, despite its sort of 0.5 uh, version number is a, a major upgrade um, compared to previous versions. Um, we're talk, starting to talk to a lot of companies about uh, real-time collaboration, about how relevant it is, uh, and we're seeing certain themes. One of them is um, this idea of business continuity. You know, so there's lots of things which are causing people anxiety at the moment, if you, you know, especially companies in London. They're very worried about terrorist attacks. When they look back at what the terrorist attack last year did to people's ability to come into the office and actually do their day's work. You know, and things like that could really hit home again. Bird flu, I know there's a lot of organisations worried about bird flu. Um, and, and Pete and I were in South Africa a, a few weeks ago, and it's, people are concerned about it there, so it's clearly a worldwide thing. Um, one of our uh, large government customers actually came to us um, with a, I guess you could almost call it a, a, you know, a tender, um, to, to say to us, you know, what can you propose for, to allow us business continuity? You know, if bird flu really affects the UK, if people have to work from home, if they're stranded at home, what can they put in the, their kit bag of IT tools to allow them to carry on working from home and, you know, not be so affected? Um, you know, in co commercial organisations, that's probably uh, delivers a competitive advantage. If you can carry on working, your competitors can't. That's going to deliver a competitive advantage. But clearly in government bodies, also banking as well, the public are very much reliant on the services they provide. And again, it's in the public's interest to make sure they can continue working. Uh, lots of organisations talk to us about constraint on time and budget, so they look at ways of cutting costs, travel, communication, education. Uh, but on the more positive side, we're seeing uh, other trends, such as you know, new models for, uh, for staff work. And again, quick show of hands, how many people here can have the ability to work from home? Now, how many people could have said that 10 years ago? You know, so that we're gradually seeing that change. Um, lots of information being subject, uh, submitted inside corporate knowledge repositories. So again, there's lots of information there that people rely on, which again can benefit from that type, type of real-time access. You know, and that contextual access to subject matter experts who can put that information into context. Uh, and also, the uh, last one there, the changing face of incoming employees. And one of the... Uh, one of the objections I often get to instant messaging is, oh, it's something the teenagers use, uh, which is very true. And, uh, uh, you know, I, my niece, for example, doesn't have an email address, just, just doesn't have an email address, but she uses instant messaging all the time to, uh, to, to talk to her, to her friends. Now, in a few years' time, that generation is going to be the generation which is actually working inside organisations will be tomorrow's knowledge workers. So they're used to working in that way. And so it's something really organisations start to adopt ready for those type of employees coming in. Just a quick overview. At the same time, we are number one in the corporate business space and have been for a number of years. And the corporate business space basically says that we don't measure ourselves against the public networks. So we measure ourselves against the corporate solutions. We have over 16 million users. We actually don't know really how many users we have at the same time, which sounds very careless. But the reason being is that because it's embedded now into technologies like Notes and it's a free entitlement, we actually don't know how many of our 124 million Notes users are actually using that technology. All that we know is that we've actually sold over 16 million discrete same-time licenses. Uh, you can see up there some of the, uh, some of the metrics about the companies who use uh, same-time. Uh, 25 companies with over 100,000 seats. And also the fact that IBM has an, a, a, a daily 
uh, average concurrency of 170,000 same-time users sending nearly 5 million instant messages a day would tend to take away any arguments about scalability. Um, you can also see that three of the world's uh, four most profitable companies use same-time. You can probably guess who the other one of the four is that doesn't use same-time. Uh, so in terms of the, the actual solution itself, uh, we really have delivered a, a next-generation client. We've really paid attention to the look and feel, the user interface, the ability to extend it has a plug-in model, which means you can write plugins um, using the Eclipse framework. Um, some very uh, up-to-the-minute features, for example, like voice over IP, click-to-talk, uh, click-to-call as well. So integration with te uh, telephony organizations uh, such as Avaya, BT, Cisco, and so forth. So you can actually talk voice over IP from your same-time client to actual a physical telephone. Loads of other nice features there. Um, I think the most important one being uh, the one there, smileys or remoticons. That's what everyone mostly asks for. We spend a lot of time telling people this is a very serious business tool, but they actually want smileys in it. Uh, things like spell checking on the fly. Uh, and these, I mentioned some of the, uh, the organizations we're, uh, we're integrating with in terms of things like uh, telephony, voice over IP, uh, video. This is not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination. The actual list is far, far bigger than that. Uh, and one of the other important things we're doing is that we're providing a public gateway that allows you to take your same-time infrastructure and stretch it out to the public networks, some of the ones that you see here, Yahoo, America Online, uh, Google Talk. Um, we also support the SIP protocol, the XNMP protocol as well. So, you know, we have the ability to federate your same-time identity into other instant messaging networks so that you communicate with other people as well in the outside world. And again, it's very much an expectation of business these days. Again, you expect to be able to communicate with your partners, suppliers, customers, etc., via uh, email, very soon businesses will have the uh, expectation they should communicate in real time with those people as well. I mentioned earlier on um, mashups, and this is actually a, uh, what we call a mashup of same-time technology with Google Maps, and it actually comes courtesy of a feature we have in same-time now, which is called location-based awareness. So anywhere I plug in, uh, same-time will basically know where I am. If I walk to any IBM office, if I go to home, uh, I was in America a couple of weeks ago, you know, flagged me as being on Orlando, it wasn't on holiday, by the way. Um, and this is actually, uh, this is something called Buddy Map, and what, what it allows you to do is very quickly to, to, to launch up this thing called Buddy Map. It integrates with Google Maps. The building you see there is actually Lotus Park, which is our headquarters in Staines. Um, and you can see what, what this actually shows there is the intersection of the people who are on my buddy list and the people who are using Same Time 7.5 and were in Staines that day. So, you know, so what this actually shows you is where your, where your contacts are, basically, allows you to, uh, to communicate with them and understand where they are and if they're in a contactable mode. One of the other key points about same time, though, it's a key differentiator between ourselves and our competitors, is the way we're looking at this in terms of people-centric collaboration. So it's not just about instant messaging, it's not just about web conferences, it's also about how you interface with people, how you understand what they're doing, um, how you interact with them, how what you're doing relates to them, how what they're doing relates to you. And, and just some of the things you can see here. And again, the slide isn't built properly, I, I, which I apologise for. Um, there should, it should uh, be showing something else at this second. But what this is showing is um, we've got a number of plugins here. And one of them, uh, which is something I'm going to talk about a little bit later on, is uh, what we call activities. And activities are basically things that we work on. And um, what I've done, I've clicked on my colleague Brendan, and it's shown me two activities. And that's actually the intersection of the activities that I'm working on, and it's the activities that Brendan's working on. So we have two in common, and it showed me those. 
Um, there's also a plug in there called Buddy Blog. You have to be fairly careful about how you say that, Buddy Blog. Um, and again, if it was showing the proper screenshot, which I don't know why it hasn't built properly, um, that would show, uh, clicked on my name to start with, show my blog entries from inside the IBM internal system, and now it will be showing me Brendan's if he had any. So it's another way of showing what people are interested in, what they're working on. So that's really the, the, the people angle, and that's, uh, I think, a key differentiator. Now, I talked about activities there, and let me just, uh, again, very quickly, um, I'm running out of time very rapidly, so let me uh, hurry through this and talk about what an activity is. It's basically an activity is something you work on, probably by your, possibly by yourself, but probably with other people in a team. And an activity is something that encompasses lots of different information artifacts <coughs> from around your organisation. So let's say, for example, organising today's event, presentations, agendas, contacts, calendar, events, emails, all this type of stuff, all these different pieces of information goes into organising an event like this, and of course it's all scattered around. So you have emails in your inbox, and you put them into a folder, and you've got folder, uh, you know, things on your hard disk, stuff in your calendar. It's all scattered around. An activity is a way of pulling all these things together. Sometimes a, a team space, a team room, a quick place, whatever you want to call these things, is a bit too formal, because you only want to work on this for a couple of weeks, and so there's no point in setting up this whole team space and inviting everyone. So it needs to be very quick and pervasive, because these things are often very ad hoc and often, often a short duration. Uh, you know, just to reiterate, you know, if you look at... Um, all the things that could go into an activity, things like emails, contacts, tasks, instant messages, ideas that people have, presentations, spreadsheets, documents, web pages, tasks, more stuff than that. All comes together, lots of different things around the, the enterprise. Um, one of the other important things, of course, we do is that we, again, use open standards and use things like RSS feeds so that people can keep track of what's going on in these activities and actually be updated. Um, so let me just show you... Um, Actually, I'm not going to get, I'm really running out of time here, actually, so I'm not going to go through all this stuff. Let me actually run you through some of the screenshots of this. Um, this, for example, would be taking a web page and adding it to an activity. <coughs> Excuse me. So we have a little plugin which allows you to grab a particular web page, Firefox, Internet Explorer, either one of them, uh, and pull that into an activity. Um, you might be working on a PowerPoint presentation or a Word document or an Excel spreadsheet, something in OpenOffice. Again, take that piece of content, rather than save it to the hard disk, add it to an activity by pressing the button up there. You might be working a notes client. Oh, hang on, so for some reason the, the, the animation on this presentation doesn't work properly. It's moving it from one PC to another. Um, so what this allows you to do is to take a, a document, uh, something based in, in notes and email, and move it from uh, the, its repository and link it through to an activity. Are you better tell me I'm running out of time? Yeah. Okay, we did start late. You did start late, and it's fine, and, and the animations didn't Okay. And uh, so what that allows us to do, uh, this is all work in progress, by the way. This isn't the final, the final user interface for some of this stuff. Um, to allow you to take that and to add that to an activity, an activity will basically look something like this. That's your activity dashboard. Um, on the left-hand side there, you can see the people I'm working with activities on. Those are the activities I'm working on. If we actually moved down inside an activity, these are all the different pieces here, for example, you can see at the bottom there you've got a, a web page from a quick place. You've got a task. You've got a, a, a little note, uh, a link to a notes document. You've got another task. And so all this stuff comes together into this activity. And you can look, look at this in various ways. Um, you can look at the people who are associated with the activity. Now, because I'm running out of time, I'm going to have to skip over some of this. And I just want to move on to the very last subject, which is when we're going to talk about um, Hanover. Let me just uh, put this into... Okay, so let me just start from here, and I'm just going to run through this very, very quickly. 
Um, Hanover is the, the next generation of the Lotus Notes client, uh, which we announced uh, last year. And, and really, you can read some of the, uh, our goals there, but really our, our goal here is to really improve the client in terms of its user interface, its user productivity, how it inter interacts with the base operating system, either Windows, Linux, or Mac, um, to move more into this world of, of managed applications whereby this, this role-based computing, the same type of thing you see in the portal, but actually delivering that into a rich client. Um, taking in some of the new innovations, which such as activity-centric computing uh, and contextual collaboration embedded same time and so on. Hanover is a notes client. I think that's the most important thing. All your existing notes applications will run. Okay? Obviously, you should test them, but there's no rewrites. Okay? That's not the expectation. It is above and beyond anything else. It's another notes client. It's an upgrade. Um, but, of course, it's more than notes. We've got integration with activities. It integrates with workplace document management. Uh, one of the important things we're putting in the box with this is productivity editors which support the open document format. So there'll be a spreadsheet, a word processor, a presentation editor in the box. And this will allow organisations to start asking themselves, why are we paying for Office when our users only use 20% of that functionality? Composite applications and also more on the, on the, in terms of being server managed, pushing things down from the server. So a quick few screenshots. These are not up to date. And in fact, actually, um, when we release the public beta in a few weeks' time, it will look a little bit different to this. We've done some work on the artwork and the whole look and feel, but you, you, you basically from these see the, the general trend in which we're going. It'll look a little bit different, but you can gradually see what we're doing here. Um, here you see the calendar. There's a, there's a slide app panel on the right-hand side that allows us to link to things like activities, the calendar, our contact list, things like RSS feeds as well. So there's, you know, very dynamic in terms of the look and feel of the client. Um, huge updates in terms of things like the contact management. You can see the sort of business card approach here. And on the, the uh, right-hand side here, you've got your embedded same time list, which is based on same time 7.5. If you don't have same time 7.5, you'll still get a, a basic level of instant messaging integrated into the product. But with, with Hanover and same time 7.5 together, they will be installed as one client experience which interact with each other. Um, another view of the inbox, but what you're looking at here is the activity panel. So that same thing I showed you earlier on the screenshots, the activities, that's the, if you like, Hanover interface into those. It actually leads to the same back end, leads to the same thing. But it allows you to do things like, for example, if you want to associate a document in notes or an email in notes or a calendar appointment with an activity, you can just drag and drop it onto the activity. So again, very dynamic. Uh, there's the presentation editor. So that's in the box. Uh, likewise, the word processor and also the, uh, the spreadsheet editor as well. So they support the open document format, but importantly, they also support the office formats as well. That's very, very important because, you know, we have an expectation that if we're going to try and sell any of this stuff to existing Microsoft customers, they will be wanting to transport files to and from this. So we're working to make sure that the fidelity of that interaction between office and these is the highest possible level it can be. Uh, and lastly, I mentioned earlier about... <coughs> excuse me, composite applications. So Notes today is a, is a client for Notes applications and pretty much nothing else. This is what we call a, a composite application. So some of the applications here, in fact, actually only the top one is actually a Notes application. The rest of these things um, are actually different pieces from different applications. So you've got an Eclipse-based application, a Work-based application, something from a, a sort of standards-based uh, HR system. So these things can be put together as a composite application, wired together at the front end. So when you click on an employee name, for example, these other portlets here, for want of a better word, are, are updated to take in those details uh, from, the, from the top application. 
Uh, and that concludes my very rushed in the end uh, talk today. Um, so basically, you know, we're, we're all part of our strategy is this, this collaboration, use this dynamic workplace, um, really using the, the second generation of real-time collaboration with extensions over things, things like instant messaging and, and web conferencing, the people angle, the location-based services, and also using some of those new Web 2 technologies. And, and part of the stuff actually I missed out, which I know we're going to provide the presentations after today so you can actually see those slides, uh, very much about some of the things like social networking and Web 2 technologies that we're embracing and will allow us to take um, all our, our strategy further and in, innovate further. So thank you very much for your time today. Well done. <laughs> apologies for being slightly rushed. Well, actually, that, that, was, uh, that was a bit of a tour de force, Darren, so thanks for that. And uh, I'm particularly interested in, in everything that you've shown towards the end there. Good morning. What we're going to do in the next session is to have a quick look at managing information. Now, to try and cover the topic of managing information in just 50 minutes is quite a tall order. So what I've done is I'm just going to look at three aspects of managing information. We're going to have a look, first of all, at document management. Then we're going to have a look at um, archival from the point of view of emails and documents, records. And we're then going to move on to have a look at websites and intranets. So document management, we're going to, first of all, have a look at why document management is increasingly becoming an important topic. We're going to have a look at some of the benefits that we'll get from a good document management solution. Have a quick look at the software choices that we have from IBM for document management. And we're going to then have a quick look at some features and some screenshots, document management. So the need for document management. Well, it's increasingly an issue. Uh, there's a greater need these days for regulatory compliance. So we've got uh, bodies such as the Security Exchange Commission. We've got um, regulations for brokers and dealers. We've got Sarbanes-Oxley. Uh, all of these require a greater need for regulatory compliance. There's an ever-increasing need in legislation. We want to, as a business, do what we do more efficiently. We need to keep our costs down. And we want to reduce the time that the people we have working for us spend searching for information. And if they're anything like me, they will spend quite a lot of their time just trying to find that information. And, you know, if we can reduce the amount of time that people spend looking for documents, well, that's going to be a big bonus. And we also need to avoid losing or misplacing key documents. Very important. And... Um, another need for document management is the fact that we get better security and control. Now, a good document management solution will give us a number of benefits. It should give all of the people that work for us better access to the documents that they need to do their job. It will also give us much better control over the creation of documents their update, their publication, because we have things such as version control, we have change history audit trail built in, and we can also, on a document-by-document -document basis, or indeed for a set of documents, we can define editors, authors, and readers. Another benefit of a document management system is the ability to better share the information that people need 
when they're doing their work on a day-to-day -day basis. And we can also save money because we don't have to perhaps physically publish documents. We don't have to send them around to the people who work for the organisation uh, because they're in this electronic repository and basically they can get at them at those documents as and when they need to. We also have um, the ability to reduce archiving costs and documents are easier and quicker to retrieve from the electronic archive than they would be if they're all over the place uh, with different people in different locations, maybe physically filed in different places. And we should, with a good document management system, be able to increase customer service and satisfaction. We have, from IBM, we have a choice of software. We have Lotus Domino Document Manager, which is the Domino-based solution. We have DB2 Document Manager, and we have Workplace Document Manager. What I'm going to do in my session today is to just have a look at two of those Document Manager offerings, Lotus Domino Document Manager and uh, DB2 Document Manager, tell you a little bit about uh, both, and give you a quick demonstration of Lotus Domino Document Manager. So Lotus Domino Document Manager then is an entry-level document management solution that sits on top of Domino. So if you're already using Domino Notes, it's a great solution for you. It has a full set of features. So it has things such as the ability to define different document types, attributes, security, you name it, you can do that in there. We have check-in, check-out, so that we can be certain that we are the only people working on a document and that other people can't inadvertently work on the same document at the same time. We also have approval review cycles, we have the ability to version, and we can set at a very granular level security. And that security can be inherited in the document library structure on a sort of folder, binder, document basis as we see fit. But we always have the ability to override the security on a particular document if we need to do so. And because Lotus Domino Document Manager has an API, an application programming interface, we can also customise Domino Document Manager so that it fits into the corporate look and feel that we have for the applications that the business uses. And Lotus Domino Document Manager, being Domino-based, is scalable and accessible. And another very important point about Lotus Domino Document Manager is the fact that we have four different ways, very distinct ways, of working with Lotus Domino Document Manager. We can work from within the familiar applications. We can work simply through a web browser. We can use a Lotus Notes client. Or we can use something called Document Manager Neighbourhood, which is a file explorer type interface. And this screen here is just showing how we can work within applications that we're familiar with, in this case Microsoft Word. I can, uh, in, in effect, I don't sort of need to know about the document repository. I can simply carry on working in Word, in Excel, in PowerPoint. I can open documents in the library. I can save documents to the library. And I can create new documents in the library from within those familiar applications. Here's an example of the web browser interface. And here's an example of the Lotus Notes client interface. 
And what I have now is just a short demonstration for those of you who haven't seen Lotus Domino Document Manager before of some of its features. Lotus Domino Document Manager 6.5.1 delivers new function and enhanced usability to help businesses increase productivity and reduce the cost of business document management. The Enhanced Browser Client enables easy navigation through the libraries, rooms, file cabinets, and binders, which comprise the document storage hierarchy. Anna Sanchez, an employee of JK Toys, is adding a new document to the JK Human Resources Library. The new document describes procedures to be followed for an employee's first day on the job. Once imported from Anna's hard drive into the library, all aspects of this document will be managed by Domino Document Manager, including updates, version controls, replication to other servers, check-in, check-out, and archiving. Several predefined document types are included with Document Manager. They can be further customized or new types may be created. A document type specifies searchable extended attributes, such as description and date, as well as available document processing options. New documents may be checked in as drafts or versions or remain checked out. One of the processing options available is Submit for Review, which Anna uses to route a review request to a colleague. Document security settings inherited from the higher level file cabinet settings determine the list of eligible reviewers. Other options, including reviewer permissions, document routing, and notifications can be specified here as well. Lotus Domino Document Manager integration with Lotus Notes enables seamless access to documents from the familiar Notes user interface. In his new email, Mark Smith sees the request to review the document created earlier by Anna. The mail message contains both a URL link and a Notes doc link to the new document. With the click of a button on the document profile page, Mark easily views the document. Since the document was created with Microsoft Word, it is loaded directly into Word from the Document Manager repository. In addition to reviewing, authorized users may also modify documents in their native format using Word or a variety of desktop applications and then return them to the document repository. Integration with Lotus Instant Messaging has been enhanced in Domino Document Manager 6.5.1. Here, Mark accesses the Who is Online page to view the online status of users who are relevant to his document, including managers, editors, and reviewers. Seeing that Anna is currently online, he sends her a quick message to indicate that he has reviewed the document. Once Mark completes his review, Document Manager will send Anna an email notification to confirm Mark's action.
Returning to his notes inbox, Mark opens another mail message containing an attached PDF file that has been downloaded from the Internet. Simply by highlighting this message and making the appropriate choice from the Actions menu, he can store both the message and the attachment in Document Manager. Mark selects the destination binder and specifies that the body and attachment be stored as separate documents, named according to the message subject and the attachment file name. Accepting the default check-in setting, he requests that the message body and the PDF document now be represented as doc links inside the mail message. Refreshing the inbox view, Mark sees that the attachment is no longer contained in the mail message. Opening the message again, he verifies that both the body text and the attachment appear as doc links. Lotus Domino Document Manager now enables users to save and archive information exchanged in Lotus Instant Messaging chat sessions. Here, Mark receives important information which will allow him and other team members to obtain financial authorization for upcoming college recruiting trips. The ability to save chat transcripts directly to a document library streamlines the process of capturing information, storing it to a secure, centrally managed repository, and then making it available to the appropriate employees across the organization. This new integration point between Domino Document Manager and Lotus Instant Messaging enables more complete management of critical business information. Next, Mark switches to a Microsoft Excel session where he has been working on a spreadsheet containing a recruiting trip schedule for the first half of the upcoming year. As with chat sessions and Word documents, this information is easily stored in Document Manager. Using an enhanced version of the standard Save As function of Excel, Mark saves the spreadsheet to the appropriate binder inside the JK Human Resources document library. Other desktop applications, including additional Microsoft Office components and the Microsoft Explorer File Manager, can be used as Domino Document Manager clients. Lotus Domino Document Manager enables secure cross-platform collaborative document management solutions, which help businesses effectively manage and exploit their collective document-based knowledge. So, just a quick demonstration of some of the capability of Lotus Domino Document Manager. What we're now going to do is just have a quick talk about DB2 Document Manager, which is another of the IBM document management offerings. And basically, what it does is it has a similar set of features to Lotus Domino Document Manager, but it adds some new capability, such as the ability to support compound documents. Now, that's quite an important concept because often a document may comp comprise of a number of elements. A uh, good example, Microsoft Word with one or more embedded spreadsheets. We want to perhaps manage those documents uh, individually but also together in a version. 
and DB2 Document Manager can do that, whereas Lotus Domino Document Manager can't. Um, and the engineering drawings are good, another good example. If you've got uh, AutoCAD, for example, that has um, a file, a drawing file that composes, that comprises of an actual number of files, reference files that make up the drawing. And DVT Document Manager can work with compound documents. Um, another thing about DVT Document Manager is that we have a choice of document repository. We can um, we can use DB2 Content Manager, which is a repository for uh, all types of content and could be used for other purposes. We've also got Lotus Domino Document Manager as a repository, and we can even use things like FileNet Panagon Content Services as a repository. So we've got a choice there for the different repositories. We also have a number of add-ins that uh, are quite useful. One of them, the renditioning capability, allows us to distribute documents in PDF or TIFF format so that basically we can distribute the documents around the organization knowing that people can't actually change the content. We've also got remote printing and plotting. That's a nice little feature because what that will do is that will allow you to print all the documents uh, in a folder in effect and it will even allow you to print documents for which you don't have the application on your machine. So quite a nice feature. And then Automation Services allows us to uh, run a query on the document repository and then take a particular action against the documents that have been selected in the query. Uh, maybe at the end of each month we want to check the documents to see which ones we need to archive. A good example of an automation service. And one other thing about DB2 Document Manager is it's accessed via a web client. So um, you just need a web browser that will allow you to work with document, DB2 Document Manager. And there are two types of web client. There's an administration client for people who are actually working and administering the Document Manager library. And then there's a user um, version, which is much simpler. Like Lotus Domino Document Manager, DB2 Document Manager can be used uh, within applications. So I can use, I can be in Word, I can be in Excel, and I can also work with Document Manager. Notice how in this case we've actually got some additional menu options uh, that we can use. And here's an example of the Document Manager work desktop. Um, in the browser again we've got things like the library over on the left hand panel. We've got a set of documents on the right hand side there that we can work with. Uh, various um, icons indicating whether they are simple documents or compound documents. We've got an instant messaging pane over on the left as well. And then we've got various buttons that allow us to work with the documents in the library in different ways. And all of this is uh, customizable, and all of it changes depending on who you're logged in as, what rights you've got to the documents in the library and so on. Okay, moving on then to email archival and document archival, our next topic. Why is mail and document archival becoming more and more of an issue? Well, the increased popularity of Lotus Notes means that there are more and more Domino Lotus Notes users. Um, there's obviously a growing volume of data on a per-user basis. And these days, the emails that we receive have much richer, more complex content. And often, 
the emails that we receive have key information that relates to the business, relates to the work that we're doing. And that information could be uh, important not just for the business, but also because you know, we need to comply uh, with regulatory compliance and so on. And all of that has an impact on performance because mail files are getting bigger and a very large percentage of those mail files typically now contain attachments. Certainly, if it's anything like my mail file, you'll have an awful lot of attachments in there. So the benefits of an archival system, first of all, we can improve performance because um, you know, by taking some of the data out of the mail files, we can basically make the network that bit more responsive and the applications that we uh, use that data, we can make them a bit more responsive to. We can better comply with legislation and, and regulation because we can keep our key documents and we can get at them easy. We can reduce the volume of data and we have simple system maintenance perhaps because we've now got smaller databases which are easier to, and faster to access. And I guess also we get another level of security because we have a secure central electronic archive in addition to the information contained in individual people's mail files. And that allows us as well to move to a more affordable storage mediums, such as things like optical jukeboxes and tape libraries. And all of that gives us some significant productivity improvements because we can now retrieve emails and documents in seconds uh, when we need them, even perhaps after many years. Now, the product from IBM that allows us to archive emails and documents is called Common Store. And Common Store actually comes in three different flavours. There's a Common Store for Lotus Domino, there's a Common Store for Microsoft Exchange, and there's a Common Store for SAP. But what we're going to look at in the session today is just Common Store for Lotus Domino. So what does it do? Well, it allows us to archive, retrieve, search, update, and delete emails and documents in Lotus Notes databases. And we have some options for archiving. And depending on how we want to set the thing up, uh, we can, for example, just automate archival completely. So as email comes in, it's automatically archived. As we send email out, it's automatically archived. Or we can give the user some options and some choices for how to and, and when to archive. So we can actually allow, allow the user to choose a document or a number of documents that they want to archive. That's a manual process. We can have um, policies, so we can establish rules, um, such as how old is the uh, message that we're archiving, how big is the item that we're archiving, uh, does it meet some other criteria that we can define perhaps in a notes formula language type construct. And when we archive the message, we can do a number of things. We can archive the message entirely. We can leave just a placeholder for the message in the database that we've archived the item from. And in that way, the message becomes very small or is removed from the mail database. And the placeholder options, we can just see a piece of text uh, that we can click on to retrieve the item, or we can actually have a little hotspot that we can click through to go into the item. We can even set things up so that the system generates what's called an intelligent message abstract. So basically the system sort of parses the message 
and it summarises to some extent the content of that message in an intelligent abstract. Other things we can do with Common Store for Lotus Domino, we can choose just to archive attachments only. So only the attachments are archived. The text of the message stays in the database, the mail file that it was in originally. And we can also, and this is a nice little feature, we can archive and send a message. So I don't know if any of you are familiar with the concept of um, single copy object store, something that was around many years ago. In effect, what that does is that allows us to send a message, put the attachment into the archive, or the attachments into the archive, and then we give people a link to the item that's in the archive. Now that might not work for all messages because if people are outside the organisation, they may not be able to get at the item that we've given people a link to, but it can be very useful, certainly internally, if we want to send a large message to a number of people, we don't actually have to send that, that attachment to multiple people. Other things we can do, we can convert the format of the message. So we can have the message stored in the archive repository in its, notive, in its native notes form, or we can actually convert it to a PDF or a TIFF. And we have the ability to define the attributes that we store in the archive. So typically we'd have things like to, from, subject, creation date, but we might also want to put other attributes in, customer, reference, purchase number, purchase order number, that sort of thing. We can define all of that uh, to go into the archive uh, repository. And we have a choice of repositories for the actual data itself. We can use Tivoli Storage Manager. We can use DB2 Content Manager, which is this uh, enterprise content management repository I mentioned earlier. And we can even use something called DB2 Content Manager on demand. Common Store for Lotus Domino works with uh, Lotus Notes 6 and 7, and it supports email not just through the Lotus Notes client, but through webmail and iNotes. And what I have here is another demo, just to give you a break from me, really. And this is just to show you um, some of the key features of Lotus Domino, common store for Lotus Domino, even. This is a shorter demo. It is estimated that businesses will generate 60 billion emails in 2005. At the same time, Government and corporate compliance requirements for archiving business information are getting even tougher. This demonstration illustrates how IBM DB2 Common Store for Lotus Domino helps companies get their burgeoning volumes of email under control and still meet stringent archiving requirements. Here is an example of an archiving policy for a user mailbox. In this case, all messages older than 180 days and larger than 20 kilobytes are automatically selected for archiving. DB2 Common Store is linked into the Lotus Domino email system through the Lotus Notes client. Customizable archiving policies help you to meet corporate and government requirements by allowing you to preserve information by age, modification date, size, or other criteria. It stores each message along with a set of attributes. 
Any property of the notes document can be selected and configured in the Common Store Configuration Database. A full text index can be created in the archive system in addition to the attribute index to make information retrieval faster and more efficient. Because DB2 Common Store is fully integrated with the native email system, it preserves 100% document fidelity. Specific elements such as buttons, sections, and database or document links are maintained. Attachments are also kept in the current context. In addition to an established archiving policy, DB2 Common Store allows users to select individual emails for archival. After archiving, a small placeholder document is kept in the user mailbox to minimize primary mailbox storage requirements. The user simply clicks on the Common Store Retrieve button in order to access the archived message. Common Store provides two other options for the placeholder document. It can insert a fetch button or even an abstract of the message. We'll now retrieve this message by clicking on the fetch button. Retrieving a message creates a temporary copy in the user mailbox with 100% document fidelity. Note the Lotus Notes specific sections and database link in this example. In lieu of creating placeholder documents, DB2 Common Store can also remove the entire message after archiving. In this case, a search panel lets users query for archived messages. Common Store has even more options to offer. Attachment archiving is an attractive choice for mailbox management. The message body remains in the user mailbox with only the attachments stored in the archive. With this option, all file attachments are replaced by links in the message. The retrieve option makes them available again from the archive. DB2 Common Store is not limited to email archival. It allows users to archive other note forms like calendar entries and to-do items. Even custom notes-based applications can be enabled for archiving with DB2 Common Store. In some situations, such as an investigation or audit, you may need to access documents archived by Common Store from outside the email system. The Archive Client application allows you to do a cross-mailbox search against your email archive. DB2 Common Store provides access to critical business information on demand while reducing email overhead. Archives are stored on cost-effective storage devices, reducing costs and backup requirements while enhancing network load balancing, performance, and disaster recovery. It provides secure long-term storage and eliminates the need for manual archiving. Common Store provides a central archive across your business that supports on-demand search and retrieval. Users can access archived emails and other business information directly from their own desktops, helping them stay productive without high administrative costs. In addition to Common Store for Lotus Domino, IBM offers Common Store for Exchange Servers and SAP. These Common Store solutions are open, scalable, and secure and easily integrate with other IBM content management solutions.
Okay, just before we move away from Common Store for Lotus Domino then, just a couple more things to be aware of. The latest release of Common Store for Lotus Domino, version 8.3, has got some new functionality in it for mobile users. There was always a little bit of a, an issue really with the old version of Common Store for Lotus Domino because it was great as long as you could be connected but if you needed to work away from the office and you couldn't be connected then you had a bit of an issue in the fact that you know you couldn't easily get at your archived mail or your archived Lotus Notes documents. There's a new feature in 8.3 that effectively allows you to create a little copy of your archived documents or more likely a selection of your archived documents so that you can basically work with those items when you're away from the office. And one other point just to reiterate is that Common Store for Lotus Domino isn't just an email archival solution. It can be used to archive documents in any Lotus Notes application. It does though require that the design of the database you know, be modified very slightly so that we can apply uh, the appropriate hooks into the archiving software. And do remember that Common Store isn't just available for Lotus Domino. If you're using Exchange or you need it to integrate with SAP, there are also versions there available. Okay, so we've looked at, uh, very briefly I appreciate this, but we've looked at document management, we've had a quick look at uh, email and document archival. What we're now going to do, just to wrap up this little managing document documents uh, session, or managing information session to be more precise, we're going to have a quick look now at websites and intranets. And in particular, we're going to talk about web content management. Now, web content management, three elements to that. Uh, by web, we mean intranet, uh, internet, or extranet. Content could be anything. So it can be text, uh, can be documents, can be rich uh, multimedia, uh, data that's in back-end databases, web pages, news feeds, you name it, that's content. So content can come from anywhere. And by management, we mean things like control, uh, automating, uh, efficiency, accuracy of data. So web content management is all about getting content into an internet, an intranet, or an extranet site in a controlled, managed, timely, accurate manner. And content characteristics of web content management systems, typically, they separate the design um, of the website from its content. And they deliver formatted content uh, that's been put into the website from many different people uh, to the website itself. And they, of course, simplify uh, very considerably the process of adding content into whatever site it is that we are publishing to. And they're all about providing um, simplicity, but with control, flexibility, and a powerful set of features. That's what web content management is all about. Now this diagram here is just to really show what's going on from the sort of um, conceptual point of view. What we have in effect is we have content being put in by our business users, uh, or by the end users, we have a rendering or formatting engine that pulls the content together with the website site design elements, so the HTML code, the JavaScript, um, the Flash bits and pieces, 
and basically presents it to the appropriate viewing device. So that's the concept behind web content management. We've got content separated from the actual design elements that make up the website. Now, Domisphere is a product that Infosys has um, that Infosys owned, and what it is is a domino-based web content management solution. And what it does is it provides a lot of features for managing intranet, extranet, and internet sites. And it uh, includes something called our ready-built IIC intranet solution. Uh, what it does is it basically makes the most of Lotus technology. Uh, it can work on its own, or we can combine it with IBM WebSphere Portal. Some of my colleagues have been talking earlier about Domino being combined with Portal. Well, just like um, Domino being combined with Portal, we can also use this web, this um, Domisphere web content management solution on its own and Domino, or uh, with Domino and WebSphere Portal. And the Domisphere tool has a very simple, effective, cost-effective uh, cost license model. And what it does is it uses all the industry standard tools that people are familiar with when developing websites, but it adds some uh, very useful, very valuable out-of-the-box functionality. Some of the features included within our Domisphere product is um, the ability, for example, to have workflow um, against different document types that we add in through the content management system. So what happens when we add content into a website that's been built with um, Domisphere, we basically select a template and we fill in the template yeah, for the type of information that we're adding. And what we can do in the template, we can choose to have no workflow or we can choose to have up to three levels of workflow for the item that's being added. We can also, because we have this concept of templates, people selecting templates to add their content in, we can also make sure the content goes into the correct bits of the site. So as an end user, I don't need to worry you know, where my data will go. I just need to know that I'm adding a new news item, I select the news template, I fill in the bits and pieces. It makes sure that the information goes into the appropriate part of the website. Um, I won't go through all the bits and pieces here um, on this particular slide. We do have the product with us today. Uh, we can give you demonstrations outside of the room. Uh, we can even do remote demonstrations via the internet and so on. So if, if you are interested in seeing more uh, about what it does and some of its features, it uh, certainly won't be a problem to show you today. But I will just tell you about a few other little bits and pieces which are um, uh, of, of interest, well, hopefully of interest. Um, we have an automatic archival functionality within the Domisphere web content management system. That's quite a neat feature because when we add a piece of content to the website. If we want to change that content, we create something called a working copy, which means that the original content can stay up on the site. We can work in the working copy. Only when the working copy is published and authorised does the original content disappear. Now, it can just disappear, or more likely, it can be archived. There's a nice feature. It goes into an archive database if, for some reason, we need to get that item back we obviously can do so. We also have, within the web content management solution, we have forums 
So we actually uh, have a tool that allows you to create one or more forums to go into your website. Uh, those forums can be um, forums which require uh, people to, uh, you know, content to only appear in the forum once someone has reviewed it first, or they can just be completely open forums so content goes straight away into the forum. Uh, we have a concept of quick poll. So we can ask the business, we can ask the people visiting the website uh, a particular uh, sort of hot topic. Uh, we can say that we want certain responses and then we can, uh, you know, review the responses that we get uh, through the quick poll. We have a concept of subscription. That's a nice little feature because what that does is that allows me to choose the bits of the website that I'm interested in when new content is added and then on a weekly, monthly, however we set the frequency up, we can get an email saying new content has been added into the site uh, in these particular areas that you indicated your interest was in. Um, the product also includes a simple shopping mechanism. So we have um, a sort of a shopping basket type mechanism. Quite neat. Some of our customers have used that to um, offer discounted goods and what have you and to their staff. Uh, you can actually sort of browse the catalogue. You can get information on what's in the catalogue and then you can sort of put the items into a basket. And maybe that goes into some other system where you know, we link into payments and so on. And um, also, something to be aware of, we talked about same time earlier today. Okay, we talked about same time earlier today. Um, just like uh, email, just like many of the other Lotus Notes applications, Domosphere is integrated with presence awareness and instant messaging. So when I'm working um, you know, on my website, uh, maybe I'm approving a, a piece of content that someone's authored, I can see that the author's online and I could have an instant chat with them if I wanted to resolve some sort of issue that I've got. Okay, why emphasis and domosphere? Well, we now have more than 36 customers in the UK uh, and indeed, well, not just in the UK actually. Uh, they include some of the names that you can see there. Domosphere has been a key focus for us since 1999 and we have, as a company, we have a dedicated web content management team, not just with Domosphere experience, which is our own product, but they also have experience of other web content management systems, such as IBM's Workplace Web Content Manager, which is formerly known as Aptrix, and also something called Tridian Web Content Manager. And one other thing to be aware of, we have an extremely active user group. All of the customers who buy Domosphere uh, automatically become a member of the user group and we meet three, four times a year typically to sort of um, uh, tell them about what we're planning to do but also to get their input into the continuing development of the, project, the product. Just very quickly, because I'm running out of time slightly, um, case study, this um, unique uh, convenience foods wanted an intranet. Uh, they were looking basically to you know, bring their employees up to speed what was going on in the business. They wanted to make people that much more productive. And they wanted to allow the end users in the business to be able to put content immediately into the internet. So basically, they bought Domosphere. Uh, they developed an internet with it. They now have approximately 1,300 users. 
not just in the UK, but uh, in Belgium, France, Germany, and so on. And as you can see there, they're getting a large number of hits on a monthly basis to different parts of the website. And, and this is a big, this is a big bonus, they've managed to save themselves a lot of money. Okay, the Domosphere tool includes a directory which can link into your Lotus Notes or your Domino directory. And that directory has saved unique estimate £14,000 per annum simply because they don't have to update, maintain, distribute a telephone directory. It can be done instead through the internet. And you can see there's various other examples of cost savings there. A company car manual, um, by putting that onto the internet, um, rather than distributing it in a paper format and so on, they've managed to save £5,000 per year. And they also came up with an innovative way to use the forum capability that's built into the tool. Um, they basically developed a forum where they could sort of make people aware when there was spare plant going. And, um, you know, as a result, maybe a company uh, in Belgium can say, oh, yes, we need that piece of kit, let's get it shipped over here. And spare plant that was just being idle is now being reused. Uh, just a couple of examples, then, of what the intranet site looks like. So this is the home page. Got all the usual bits and pieces, really. Uh, there's a navigator there, there's a menu there, there's sort of latest news there's a search capability, um, and so on. And what I'm going to do, because I'm a bit tight for time, is just skip through. This is another example, but I won't go into this case study, but another customer, Southwest Trains, have used it for their intranet. And just wanted you to see that we've got a completely different look and feel here. But underneath, it's a common product, Domosphere web content management solution that's being used to build the internet. Okay, now I'm going to skip the demo. You'll be pleased to hear, David, because of time. Uh, but if anyone wants to see a demo, either uh, in real life or a canned demo, I can show you that later. So there you go. Thank you. Now, I've been given this terrifying Austrian microphone. So it's made in Austria. Uh, and and the, it's, it's a bit like the conch show. If anybody actually wants to ask a question, I'll hand them the Austrian microphone. We want to ask a question to Steve. Right. Um, oh, it's on too. That's good. Right, it's now <laughs> half past 11. Now, we've slipped about 10 minutes on our program, so I apologise for that, but these things happen. Um, I reliably advise... Oh. Hmm. Well, that's it. Uh, I reliably advise that the applications are going to be visible on some computers outside. So if something you want to look at, please just grab somebody and, and they'll show it to you. Um, we've also got some computers which could be linked up to webmail if you're anxious to get your email, so that's fine. We've also got some computers which will allow us to show you some of the applications that we've designed. We've put notes about them in, the, um, in here. And in fact, we even have a document management solution, which is quite different from the one you've just seen. So if anybody wants to look at that, that's great. The coffee is on the ground floor where it was when you came in. So if you want to go and have a cup of coffee, that's fine. Um, we'll be kind of loitering in the upstairs foyer um, to talk to people about things they want to talk to about, about, I should say. And the next session will be about 10 minutes adrift um, for coming back here. So I think you've got a timetable. So thank you very much. <laughs>